On the eve of the 19th century, an ambitious inspector sent to a small upstate New York community as being terrorized by a fearsome apparition, a headless horseman who was decapitating the townsfolk and absconding with their heads. Ichabod Crane, a non-believer, must open his mind to the possibilities of the paranormal if he is to stop the horseman and escape with his life from Sleepy Hollow. I'm Connor Azagari. I'm Colton Jenkins. And this is Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday and welcome to the Filmgasm podcast. It's Halloween week and to celebrate, we're tackling one of the quintessential spooky season movies, Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow. We're recording this one a few days before my European vacation, which I'm sure was a blast. I hope I'm having a good time. Connor, if you're out there, make the most of it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Sleepy Hollow is one that's kind of just been in my rotation for a very long time. I've been a lifelong Tim Burton fan. And I think this is one of his best films, one of his few straightforward horror films. And it just gets better with with each viewing. It's I, I can't imagine a Halloween without it. Yeah, I feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, man, this is a, it's a fun movie. Uh, so before we get started, I've got a question for you. Yeah, yeah. Sleepy Hollow is one of the many collaborations between director Tim Burton and actor Johnny Depp. Hopefully we get a lot more in the future. Have you like of their collaborations, uh, if you've seen any of them and as we you know talked before we recorded, uh, I think you have. Uh, what are some of your favorites? Oh, man. I mean, I think Tim Burton and Johnny Depp go hand in hand. I don't think there's a single movie that they've made together that I haven't really liked. Corpse Bride is definitely up there. I know that Johnny Depp isn't acting in it, but that's just one of my favorite movies that they do together. But I have to say, I think my favorite one from the two of them has to be um, Edward Scissorhands by far, (laughs) by a long shot, just because I feel like that movie is uh, next to Beetlejuice. I think Edward Scissorhands is the most Tim Burton film (laughs) out of all of them. And Johnny Depp's performance is just so like memorable, and him as Edward Scissorhands is just so great. I do like Edward Scissorhands. Uh, I like the kind of passing of the torch of you know the weird actor from Vincent Price to Johnny Depp in that movie. Yeah, that's really cool. Depp does a great job, and that was at a time when you know he was still fairly new, and we weren't really sure what kind of actor he was going to be. And then, you know, he collaborates with Tim Burton. And I think everyone was like, okay, I see where this is going. Yeah. Um, My personal favorite between the two of them, probably Sweeney Todd. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I just, I love the performance in that movie. Johnny Depp just, he toes the line between, you know, sympathetic and completely psychotic so well in that. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Burton's vision of Victorian London is just so dirty and grimy and unforgiving. Mm-hmm. It's, it's great it's a great movie and it's a musical because why not <laughs> i think I, I used to love sweeney todd like the, the movie so much and then a couple days before i moved out my dad took me to go see sweeney todd when i was living in new york city in uh, greenwich village and the whole show was actually in an old like closed down what used to be a pie shop <laughs> And uh, the guy who was cooking, so it was like you go and you get 
pies for the when you watch the show. And the guy that was cooking them was the ex chef of the White House. So it was like some of the best food I've ever eaten. And then they played Sweeney Todd in this tiny, tiny um, pie shop. And it was wonderful. They're like dancing on the tables and everything. It was so cool. And I think that's my favorite rendition of Sweeney Todd. And just because I've seen that, I can't say that the movie is my favorite Tim Burton movie. Just because that blew the movie out of the water, unfortunately, as well as good as the movie is. That performance was just so, so freaking awesome. That's so cool. That's fantastic. I, I get it, man. Yeah, I feel the same way about Jersey Boys. You know, yeah. like, after I saw it on Broadway, I'm like, the movie's not really going to live up to that. Um. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> that's a neat story. Uh, yeah, I I haven't I haven't been as lucky with a film like Sweeney Todd. I I love the movie adaptation. Um, Corpse Bride's really good. I I like that movie a lot. Um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I I don't really care for. Uh, I don't blame either Burton or Depp for that one. It's just you know if you're gonna remake Willy Wonka, I already don't like you. Yeah, I feel like it would have been better if they had done what they're doing now with Willy Wonka, with the Timothy Chalamet thing, how it's like his origin story. I feel like Tim Burton could have done a really good job with that, but um, I kind of like the new one. But again, it's just because Johnny Depp is in it and just because Tim Burton made it. But it's watchable. Like, I'll I'll watch it. I just I grew up with the with the original movie and that's one of my all time favorites. So it's it's not going to come close. Oh, yeah. But it's still also, a decent flick. It is, yeah. It's, it's it's yeah. It's watchable, like you said. I also feel like every Tim Burton movie has Denny Elfman doing yeah. the score. Mm-hmm. So it's just Tim Burton, Johnny Depp, and Denny Elfman together. All the movies feel just cohesive, like they're all in like one universe. <laughs> yeah, and then when he added Helena Bonham Carter into his rotation, I mean that just you know she just added to that flavor. Yeah. Uh, I think it is weird that he fell in love with her when he was making Planet of the Apes. So he fell in love with monkey Helena Bonham Carter, which is <laughs> a little weird. I saw this um, picture online once, and it was a picture of, I think it was like on the set of Sweeney Todd, and it was Johnny Depp and uh, Helena Bonham Carter in the picture together. And the caption said, oh, look, it's Tim Burton's wife and Helena Bonham Carter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know what? There's something to be said about that. Uh, when a, you know, when you get a good writer, um, director, actor duo, I mean, you know, the potential is limitless. You know, like we see that with like Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro, and then later, you know, Scorsese with Leonardo DiCaprio and Quentin Tarantino with Samuel L. Jackson. Like, it's cool to have the you know your reliable guy. And I really hope that isn't over because you know it's been a minute since uh, Depp and Burton worked together because of Depp's you know legal troubles and the kind of tarnishing of his uh, reputation that happened over the past few years. But now that he's essentially been cleared yeah. of a lot of that, I really hope that, you know, Burton and Depp start talking again because I, I want them back together. <laughs> oh yeah. Has, has Tim Burton made a statement at all? Like, like during the trial or anything? Like, has he spoken? I don't think so. He's, he's pretty, uh, he stays out of that shit a lot. He doesn't really, you know, talk to press or he's, he's, he's pretty private. Tim Burton. And again, he hasn't really done anything like really big in a long time. I think he's, he's doing a Wednesday Adams series for Netflix right now. Oh, was that his? I didn't know that was his. That's him. And I'm 
infuriated that Johnny Depp isn't playing Gomez. <laughs> I mean, come yeah. on. <laughs> I say give it like maybe six more months and then Johnny Depp will be in a movie again. I hope so. Do you ever see Ed Wood? Uh, no, I don't think so. That was their second collaboration in 94. It was a biopic of Edward D. Wood Jr., the director who made Plan 9 from Outer Space. He's widely regarded as the worst filmmaker who ever lived. (laughs) And Burton told his story, and it was a really cool movie. It was told, you know, stylized to be like a 50s monster movie. And, you know, it's Ed Wood and Bela Lugosi towards the end of his career, or the end of his life, really, became an actor-director duo that made a lot of weird, shitty movies, but the spirit was always alive. Like, they always had fun doing it. They always believed in the work, but everyone hated it. <laughs> it's a really cool movie. Yeah. Yeah. And then they did Sleepy Hollow, which is just fantastic. Yeah. Really. I like, uh, oh, Alice in Wonderland. We didn't talk about that one. Oh, yeah. You know, people don't like that, but I, I like it. I don't like the second one, mm-hmm. but... um the first live action remake I thought was pretty good. Honestly, I, I liked it. I just, I didn't really. Yeah. I, to be fair, I've never seen the original, the 1951 Disney movie. I've never seen oh. it, but I just, I didn't feel it. I don't know. It just felt forced. Yeah. I mean, Tim Burton's Wonderland just sounds like the match made in heaven, but I didn't, I don't know. I mean, it was a billion dollar gross. So clearly I'm on the wrong side here, but you know, it's just, I never. I don't go back to it. Yeah. I thought I heard somewhere that he was making a Pinocchio movie, or either that or he a Peter Pan movie. I heard he was doing another Disney movie, but I guess that never happened, or I misheard or something. Well, Zemeckis, Robert Zemeckis did Pinocchio earlier this year, and it was apparently so bad people stopped talking about it within like a couple of days. Oh damn! Um, and then Peter Pan is not Burton, but I do recall. Burton had something coming up with Disney. I'm, I'm going to look that up real quick. Um, yeah. Yeah. He did do, you know, Alice in Wonderland was a big hit for, for everybody. So I'm surprised that, you know, and then Dumbo kind of came and went. Oh, I don't. Was it Dumbo? It might've been Dumbo that I was thinking of. It might be Dumbo. Cause I don't see anything on his upcoming schedule on IMDb. So I think it was Dumbo. That was all right. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen it, but I heard same. It was pretty good. That was the last thing he did was Dumbo. You know, he could do. Have you been to Disneyland? I have not. I'd like to. So they have a a ride. It's Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. And it's like Mr. Toad and Mr. Frog. I feel like Tim Burton can make a really good Mr. Toad movie. I think (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) For me, the perfect Tim Burton live action Disney adaptation would be the segment from Fantasia where like we meet the devil. Oh, dude. Yeah. That would be cool. Night on Bald Mountain. Yeah. Disney's got that slated as an in development project. Like they've had that there for years. So give that to Tim Burton. Let him show us his hell on earth. That would be awesome. That would be pretty cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, according to Sweeney Todd, London is hell on earth. It's a. In Victorian age, <laughs> it was. I believe that. It was gross. Disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, let's get back to Sleepy Hollow. I like talking about I like to just, you know, give Johnny Depp some some positive news. I feel like I know he's never going to hear this, but I just like to put it out there. I never lost faith. Yeah. With Johnny Depp. 
I knew he was innocent, and I'm so glad he was acqu- he was acquitted of all that crazy shit. Yeah. Um. So Sleepy Hollow is based on the short story The Legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irving. It was first published in 1819. It appeared in Irving's short story collection, The Sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon Gent, which also contains the short story Rip Van Winkle about the guy who falls asleep, wakes up like 20 years later, and it's like, oh, all my friends are old, instead of being like, the fuck? Which is what I would do (laughs) if I woke up 20 years later. You were in a coma, Rip. You weren't asleep. (laughs) See, that would be a cool fucking Tim Burton movie. (laughs) It would. Yeah, I'm surprised no one's ever done that. Like, Rip Van Winkle's never been adapted to film, apart from, like, maybe Looney Tunes or something. I mean, they've done, like, rip, like a, a big sort of, I don't know, like, the like where, where they're just like, oh, instead of making everyone around him old, they mm-hmm. always, like, make the main character, like, either old or young again. Yeah, it'd be an interesting st- I don't really know, like, what you do with conflict there. It's like you just wake up 20 years later and you just, like, go meet all your family members and friends who are old. And then, I guess, you go back to sleep. I don't Yeah, I don't I don't know. know the movie. I've read the story. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Jeffrey Cryon was one of Washington Irving's uh, publishing aliases. And despite being one of the most enduring examples of early American literature, Sleepy Hollow has only been seriously adapted to film three times. Uh, there was the 1922 silent film, The Headless Horseman, which is one of three silent films adapted from Sleepy Hollow, but this is the only one that has survived. The other two are lost. Oh, well. Yeah. There's hundreds of films from early, you know, Hollywood, early film development that are completely gone. They've disintegrated. They were, you know, they were just destroyed. Hundreds, maybe thousands of lost films. Sad. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Uh, then there was the 1949 Disney film, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, which took the short story, Sleepy Hollow, and combined it with The Wind in the Willows to make a double bill. And I remember I had the Legend of Sleepy Hollow Disney movie on tape as a kid, and I never really liked it because yeah. it had no closure. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> but it is paired with Mr. Toad, which I find funny considering you said that, you know, Mr. Toad would make a good Burton movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then finally, there was 1999's Sleepy Hollow, which takes many liberties with the story, including turning Ichabod Crane from a schoolmaster to a constable and providing more backstory and lore to the horsemen and the other supporting characters. I think that's I thought this was a good way to go. I think the film is very well rounded in terms of its story. I like Ichabod being more of a kind of neurotic cop who, you know, has his own way of doing things that everyone else kind of, you know, thinks is an affront to God. It's I like that. I I like that way of doing crane. Yeah, I think Johnny Depp, like he like specializes in playing weird, tall, lanky, sullen. Like you said, neurotic people. And this is, I think, like uh, one one of his best for sure. I love that he's one of the few actors who can play just a weird looking, frightening, kind of odd, off putting guy. They can also play just a smoldering, sexy, like leading man. You know, he's it all depends on like, the makeup artist. <laughs> watch. OK, like here's what you need to do. You need to watch Edward Scissorhands and then you need to watch Chocolate and then you need to watch Donnie Brasco and then watch Pirates of the Caribbean in that order. <laughs> just <laughs> to see. Oh, uh, really want uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I mean, that that's he's got range. <laughs> he does. You know, I've. For a 
for an Oscar Sunday a few weeks ago, Austin and I watched uh, Chocolat. The oh, is that how you say it? I'm sorry. Yeah, I know it's it's French. It's a French movie. It's fine. <laughs> and he plays a uh, a like a roving, you know, traveling gypsy character who is this like, you know, smoky, slicked back, you know, brooding, mm-hmm. smoldering, guitar playing, just angel. Uh-huh. And then three years later, he's, you know, greasy Jack Sparrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He has incredible range. And yeah, I really hope he gets to be, you know, an A-list actor again and really just get to do crazy wacko shit. Yeah. I will say that's what I do like about the the Charlie and Chocolate Factory movie is that whenever you watch it, I just am dumbfounded that that is Johnny Depp. Like watching Pirates of the Caribbean and at the Charlie and Chocolate Factory is wild to me. It is. It's such a a weird direction to take Willy Wonka. It's like you keep expecting him to like grab one of the kids and run. Yeah. It's, it's weird. But then, you know, he does a film like Sweeney Todd or Lone Ranger or just, you know, fucking Tusk where he plays like a Canadian cop for one scene. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. He He's up for pretty much anything. Yeah. yeah. And then like, you know, a film like Finding Neverland, which is emotionally devastating so i i love the guy's acceptance to just do you know but pick whatever project feels right at the time yeah Uh, speaking of projects sleepy hollow first came about thanks to makeup artist kevin yeager who wanted to make sleepy hollow into a movie in 1993 he was introduced to screenwriter andrew kevin walker future writer of uh the films seven and eight millimeter so some creepy weird shit um uh, they these guys put together a treatment, and after Jaeger finished directing Hellraiser Bloodline, which is I believe the one where it's like twenty centuries into the future or something. I I don't know. After Hellraiser one and two, I'm like I don't want to I don't want to watch the rest of these. Don't uh, say that, Caleb. Will hear you. <laughs> uh, well, after Jaeger finished that, he envisioned Sleepy Hollow as his next low budget slasher film. But Paramount was like, no, we want more than that. We we have higher hopes for this. So you're you're off the project. He they demoted him to makeup artist. He was the director. Oh. Like, no, no, you're gonna do the makeup and we're gonna get somebody more competent to to make this movie. It was his idea. <laughs> That's awful. I feel like that a slasher sleepy hollow movie would be pretty good. Yeah, I mean, this movie goes in that in that direction a few times. You know, the headless horseman like you know cuts open that family kills that child like it yeah goes into slasher territory a few times but doesn't doesn't linger there very long. no uh so the film just kind of drifted for a while then studio interest resumed in 1998 with producer adam schroeder remembering tim burton's success with edward scissorhands and burton had just pulled the plug or he just had the plug pulled on superman lives uh he had been developing do you know about tim burton's mm-hmm. superman movie yeah, because it was after the Batman movie, so he was like, I want to make a Superman movie now, right? Yeah, he had Nicolas Cage on board to play Superman. Oh, what the fuck? I know, yeah. No. There's footage of him, like, testing out the suit and everything. Like, they were going to get this going, but, you know, he kept clashing with the producers over the tone of the movie and what the content was going to be, and eventually it just completely fell apart and never happened. I don't remember what you like your stance on Nicolas Cage, but I fucking love every movie he's in because he's so fucking wild. Nicolas Cage is a god among men. 
Okay. And I adore everything I've ever seen him in. I have <laughs> nothing but respect for Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Yeah. He's the man. For sure. And I would kill to see that Superman movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, what a wasted opportunity. There's a documentary I've been trying to get a hold of called The Death of Superman Lives that tells this whole story, how this film started, how it fell apart. I got to find that. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That'd be cool. You know, I think he's supposed to play. They're making a Tiger King movie, and he's supposed to be playing uh, that guy. I forgot his name. Yeah, the Joe Exotic. I th- yeah. Last I heard, that got put on hold. I don't think that's happening anymore. Aw, dang yeah. it, man. There was the Tiger King series on, I think, uh, Peacock that like went nowhere. So I think interest in the Tiger King has, has faded away. <laughs> Aw. It happens. I'm, I'm glad. Cage, Cage can do better than that. Oh, yeah. Like, um, what did I just watch a couple days ago? And I was like, holy fuck. Oh, Pig. Man, Pig is Pig so was, good. Pig was awesome. Yeah. That was such a great movie. I'm, yeah, I did. I was not, I was not prepared for that. What that was, what that ended up being. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was billed He's as good. like taken, but with a pig. Yeah. <laughs> He's good at playing in like weird indie artsy movies. Like, Pig was fantastic. Color Out of Space is one of my favorite movies just because of how much I love Lovecraftian horror. But that was good. And then Mandy was wild. Um, I haven't seen The Unbearable Weight of uh, Massive Talent yet, but I want to. That that needs to be the next movie you watch for my voodoo because that is one of the best okay. movies of the year. That was such a cool idea, and it was done okay. so well. It was so funny. Oh, yeah. I'll check it out for sure. I've noticed lately, you know, with Mandy and Color Out of Space and Pig, Cage has really become amazing at playing characters with nothing left to lose, like characters just at the end of their rope. Because I think, you know, his what he experienced in his career was, you know, near extinction. Like he got delegated to playing, you know, direct to video parts for so long. And now he gets to be choosy again because fans never lost love for him. Mm -hmm. I think he's bringing a lot of that into his into the characters he's choosing. Because oh, I've yeah. noticed a lot of those characters are just like, you know, broken men who have just a little bit of light left. And yeah, again, nothing but respect. No. Mm. Vampire's Kiss. So <laughs> good. I I will say I, I, I hate that movie, though. <laughs> that movie was so stupid. <laughs> but that's the I couldn't. I was like, what the hell is this? Unfortunately, when I was done watching the new Joker movie, I was like, wow, that was a lot like Vampire's Kiss. <laughs> you can see that. Yeah, it was. I don't know what, what was going on with, with Vampire's Kiss. It was like it took itself too seriously at times. And then other times it didn't. And then like the weird like, you know, accent he was putting on. Like, how do you get behind this? <laughs> like, I can't. I can't work with that, Nick. <laughs> You know, he said that's like his favorite movie he's ever done. Yeah. It's like, really? This is so wild, man. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I don't know. Maybe I have to watch it again to fully appreciate it. It's got its moments. You know, whenever he freaks out on somebody, I can't help but laugh. <laughs> okay. Well, he was almost Superman. And uh, what that could have been. And he's obsessed with Superman. He named his kid, uh, I think, Jor-El. Oh my god, no. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh so with that movie Dead in the Water, Burton had some free time, so he got hired in June of 1998 
And this is his first of only two straight up horror films in his career thus far. The other one being Sweeney Todd. He's never gone into full horror again, which is weird because like he's considered like the ambassador of like, you know, a horror vibe in movies. Yeah, I was going to say I would I don't I might get flack for this, but I don't really when I think Tim Byrne, I don't think of horror. I think of just more like like you said, like vibe. Like he's he's like the spooky season guy, I feel like. Like his movies are definitely spooky. They're definitely eerie, creepy and like dead, but I wouldn't say horror per se. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even classify this movie horror. Maybe Sweeney Todd, but I just it's more like atmospheric. I mean, yeah, you're totally right. You're totally right on that. I just think it is weird that like it's got his work has all the elements of a horror movie in theory, but it never goes there. Yeah. Yeah, they're more like fantastical, like whimsy horror, I feel yeah. like. Yeah, like take Beetlejuice, for example. Oh, yeah. You know, ghosts, un- the undead, like giant snake monsters. Like on paper, it sounds like a horror movie, but you watch yeah. Beetlejuice and it's a dark fantasy comedy. And that is as far as he usually goes. You know what it reminds me of? Have you ever seen the old uh, Disney animation, Mickey and the Haunted House? It's old black and white. I have not. Check it out if you if you're into that sort of like old animation stuff. Mm-hmm. That's exactly the vibe I get from like Timber and movies. Yeah. And that's cool. You know, he's he's like the king of gateway horror. It's, you yeah. know, if you want to get into horror, but you're too scared, start with some Tim Burton and see what you can handle. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, OK, you, you know, what Tim Burton is Tim Burton. His movies are that neighborhood house around Halloween that have all the cool fucking decorations. They are like, but like not the scary ones. They got like purple lights. They got like skeletons in the graveyard. They got spiders everywhere. They got like witch bubbling cauldron. That's, that's what I think of like Tim Burton. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other house down the road is, you know, covered in blood and guts and has like a, you know, Freddy Krueger hanging from the the gutters (laughs) and that's Wes Craven's house. Yeah. (laughs) That's cool. Uh, so since they'd you know, worked together twice already, Burton cast Johnny Depp as Ichabod Crane. They had a good working relationship. They liked what, each, what you know, the other one brought to the table. The studio wasn't too you know, proud, happy about this. They didn't want Depp, really, at first. They were hoping for either Brad Pitt, Liam Neeson, or Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, none of those people. I'm sorry, but no. I like all of them in their own things, but not, none of those people would have worked. I love the ambition of this studio being like, let's try to get Daniel Day Lewis to be in this. Yeah, do what horror movie? Yeah, that'll that'll fly. <laughs> what was he working on during this? Was it Gangs of New York? This was oh, ninety nine. So I think In the Name of the Father was ninety seven, and then I think his next project was Gangs of New York in two thousand two. Yeah, unless I'm missing something, but I don't think I am. So yeah, that that so he was in his like transitional period because he had retired after in the name of the father and then scorsese brought him out of retirement mm. so i guess he yeah and he never did he was he's the most choosy actor who ever lived he did a project every three or four years and that was only if he really really committed and wanted to do it he was never oh, yeah. gonna do something like sleepy hollow <laughs> no no would you have a favorite of his i really like him i i think uh honestly there will be blood as much as like like um 
this this is weird, but every time I think about that movie, I love that movie. But that is like the snooty film critic movie. Whenever I think of like high film, I don't know why. I know it's not necessarily a high film movie, but I always think about that movie. No, it can <laughs> I don't be. Know there, why. Will, there will be blood is kind of the movie that like film buffs and film critics can enjoy together. Yeah, and I like that. It brings people together. I mean, it's fucked up and, you know, a terrible life lesson for a human being, but it brings people together. <laughs> uh, oh, definitely. Yeah. So with, with with DDL, favorite character, Bill the Butcher from Gangs of New York. Favorite performance, uh, yes. Daniel Plainview and There Will Be Blood. Lincoln. I like Lincoln. Oh, really? I do like Lincoln. I'm a history buff. You make a movie about Abraham Lincoln, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> but... I, I, I will watch Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter first, but I will watch the break the real Lincoln also. I've, I've never seen it. Is it is it good? Is it actually it's, like a good all right? It's in, it's so ridiculous. It's so insane, but it's entertaining as shit. I mean, it's Abraham Lincoln, like his mother is killed by a vampire when he's a kid. So he like learns how to fight and kill vampires and cut down a tree with one swing of an axe. And then also he just, you know, casually gets into <laughs> politics. Like him being president oh is so secondary to that movie. It's like he's killing vampires. And then somebody mentions like, you should run for Congress. And he's like, I don't know if I have time for that with all these vampires. <laughs> <laughs> it's really crazy. <laughs> but it's a fun movie. It's this really is awful, a- but I got to tell someone. I thought this- I, 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 I guess I'll check it out. It's like Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. Like whenever they add like horror spins to classic stories, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> that was okay. I, I I went and saw that with no knowledge of the Pride and Prejudice story. I don't know anything about that. Everything I know about that story, I know from the zombie version. So that's not good. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So like that's wonderful. I'm glad I didn't have to give like a book report. And I'm like, and then instead of marrying Mr. Darcy, Elizabeth Bennett decided to kill the zombies that were attacking her sisters. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I like that stuff though. Can you know give people some interest in some you know some classic stories yeah. that they might not otherwise have? <laughs> oh boy, um, this is a you might like this as a yeah. You might like this as a history buff. I saw this picture online. It was a tweet, and the Twitter account was from Abraham Lincoln, and I said, "My wife is making me go to the stupid fucking play. Someone please shoot me in the head." <laughs> oh, my <God. laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, that's cute that's cute uh, that's funny <laughs> they made a I, re- I read the book abraham lincoln vampire hunter and oh. it, it, it's it's told through like abraham lincoln's journal it's it's an interesting way to do it and it kind of implies that like martin luther king might have also might have been a vampire that's like, weird man yeah, it's like Lincoln survived, like he became a vampire and has been like saving historical figures throughout history by making them vampires when they die. Like, I don't know about that. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> the movie doesn't doesn't bother going there. No. <laughs> but anyway, Daniel Day-Lewis is a great actor. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Ichabod Crane, that, that, that never would have flown. And Brad Pitt's too hot for it. And Liam, Liam Neeson, I could kind of see doing. I, he's just not weird enough. I, don't, I haven't seen any movie where Liam Neeson is weird. You should watch Dark Man. Yeah, is he yeah. weird in it? Yeah, he plays a 
a scientist who gets like betrayed by his colleagues and left for dead in a burning building, but he survives with like burn scars and he uses like latex masks and shit to avenge himself as dark man. It's oh my God. It's Sam Raimi's own version of like a Batman movie. Oh, okay. It's fucking weird, but it's cool. It does have like the vibes of like um, defender or super kick ass. Kind of more of like a, like the Daredevil show had that kind of vibe, oh. of like just like vigilante justice, and I don't care who gets in my way, kind of thing. But it's with a Sam Raimi flavor, okay. so pretty cool. But also, if he does Sleepy Hollow, then he probably doesn't do Star Wars: The Phantom Menace, so we don't get him as Qui Gon Jinn. And I guess I can take that. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> as I was saying, and I'm like, that's not that big a trade off. <laughs> I like the prequels. I'm sorry, but I like them. I do too, but I don't know. I've I've got the whole of Star Wars. I like I like less and less every day. <laughs> <laughs> I used to I used to fucking adore Star Wars, and now I'm kind of like, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Sleepy Hollow has an IMDb score of seven point three. Rotten Tomatoes score of 70%. Not bad, kind of middle ground. Critics' consensus on Rotten Tomatoes reads, It isn't Tim Burton's best work, but Sleepy Hollow entertains with its stunning visuals and creepy atmosphere. Fair enough. Fair enough. What would you what would you consider Tim Burton's best work? His best work. So Edward Scissorhands is up there. I think I don't like splitting. Um no, I feel like you have to split his work into two different things because he's good at animation stuff, but he's also really good at live action stuff. Mm-hmm. So I want to say his like visually his best is like, like I said, Corpse Bride. Um, But then I also think Edward Scissorhands is really good. But then there's fucking Beetlejuice. <laughs> I think Beetlejuice is so good because of the character Beetlejuice. So I'm, I'm going to say Edward Scissorhands, I think, is his best work. Okay. Uh, or, for me, yeah, go ahead. yeah, yeah. I'd for say me, he peaked with Beetlejuice for me. It's like, hmm. I just think that is his definitive film. It's the one I always keep going back to. And it just feels like, you know, if I was going to introduce, if I, if I found a friend had never seen anything by Tim Burton, that is the film I would use to show that friend his style and what he can do. Yeah. But I also like, I think his Batman movies are criminally underrated now. Because, you know, Batman is, you know, the Batman movies have just gotten better. But I do think that his first two Batman movies are really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. They are. They just don't. I think I said that they ooze Tim Burton in the Batman when I was talking about it. But, like, thinking on his, like, staple movies, like Corpse Bride, Sweeney Todd, Edward Scissorhands, Sleepy Hollow... There's something about Batman that doesn't feel completely Tim Burton, so I feel weird saying that's his best work because it's so different than what he usually does. I I'll buy that with Batman, but I do think that his style is all over Batman Returns. Yeah, yeah, I will say that one for yeah for sure. Yeah, I think it's funny that like most people recognize you know the night the Nightmare Before Christmas as his like masterpiece. But he really only like came up with the concept. Like he didn't direct it or really have much to do with the production of that movie. 
Yeah, I would say that is his masterpiece, but again, he didn't. That's not. That's not really his. No, so it's just his idea, which you know, I it's it's Tim Burton presents the Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, which is yeah, I don't know, but uh, yeah, he's he's got some some amazing films that you know I continue to watch every year. You know, Beetlejuice and Sleepy Hollow are part of my Halloween rotation every year, and yeah, I hope I hope he has I hope he does something else that's worth seeing because it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, Sleepy Hollow would be a huge hit financially, grossing $207 million on a budget of $70 million. It would be nominated for three Oscars, Best Costume Design, Best Cinematography, and then it would win Best Art Direction. It's considered one of Burton's best movies by fans and critics alike, except for apparently Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, yeah. And yeah, let's talk about this film. Uh, first up, Danny Elfman's score so creepy and really atmospheric and just keeps us in this weird gothic fairy tale of a movie so well yeah yeah this is um i don't want to say it's like uh it strays from what he usually does but this is definitely the more dark atmospheric music that he's done but you can still hear like hints of like you know danny elfman like nightmare before christmas in this which i really really like yeah, I love the, you know, Danny Elfman's one of those guys who just kind of builds on each previous score to like create almost like, you know, an ongoing mm -hmm. masterpiece that you can split into different movies because you just you feel bits of his stuff in everything. I, I love that. Uh, my favorite of his is probably Mars Attacks just because I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's such a good movie. I, I was watching it. And I wasn't paying attention to the opening credits or something, but during the end credits, it said Tim Burton. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I, I consider that movie to be Tim Burton's secret masterpiece. Yeah, that's such a good movie. Yeah, that's, oh, Mars Attacks is the best. One of Jack Black's best performances. I'm just kidding. Ah, you alien shithead. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. My favorite Mars Attacks story is that, you know, Burton and Jack Nicholson had worked together on Batman, so they had a working relationship. So when he cast Jack Nicholson as the president, uh, yeah. the studio was like, all right, you can have Jack Nicholson, but you're not allowed to kill him. So what <laughs> Burton did is what he he cast Jack Nicholson in two roles and killed him twice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ah, beautiful. I might watch that movie tonight just for kicks. That's one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, Elfman also gave us the Batman score and the, the original Spider-Man score. And, you know, he's he's a rock star. Just one of the, I think, more underrated film composers we got. Wait, he, he did Spider-Man? I did not know that. Yeah, that was him. <laughs> Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, 2002, Raimi Spider-Man. That was Elfman. Holy shit. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's 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 the bomb. Um, he also tours, which is pretty cool. Like he he tours doing like live orchestra stuff, which is pretty sweet. I would love to go see that. <laughs> oh, that's that's fucking cool. He better open with the now. I mean, the Spider Man theme from the Tobey Maguire movies. He better open with that. I would open with "This Is Halloween" from the Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay, yeah, especially if it's an October show. <laughs> oh yeah. Cool stuff. Um, so we got an atmospheric score. We got Martin Landau in a powdered wig, changing his will. And you know, we get the name Van Garrett. We see Van Tassel. We get all these kind of 
little pieces of the story that's about to unfold. And then Van Garrett gets in his carriage, Headless Horseman shows up and kills him. It's like, oh shit, there goes Martin Landau. I thought he was going to be a part of this. Uh, Martin Landau previously worked with Burton in Ed Wood as Bela Lugosi, and he won Best Supporting Actor at the Oscars for that performance because it was fantastic. Uh, So then we go to Ichabod Crane. It is 1799, and he is the only cop in New York City who wants to actually investigate some crimes. Everyone else just wants to throw people yeah, in the he's pit. The only, he's the only cop in New York City. <laughs> well, I love when he's like giving his case. He's like, can we like we're it's almost the 19th century. Could we maybe step some shit up and actually try to investigate these crimes? Maybe put some thought into this. And they're like, when are we like they're like, we have heard this from you before. And like they're irritated. <laughs> yeah. They send him to Sleepy Hollow to just get rid of him. <laughs> yeah. They're like, shut the fuck up. Also, I don't care. I know this is so fucking wrong because he was in a lot of like in so many like classic monster movies, but Christopher Lee is Johnny Depp's dad. I'm sorry, Uh but I can't unsee that. That's one thing that I love about the Charlie and Chocolate Factory movie. That's fucking Johnny Depp's dad. (laughs) You know, some children are allergic to chocolate. (laughs) Makes their noses. (laughs) Like, oh God. Of course, Willy Wonka's father would be a dentist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love Christopher Lee to death. He was, he was one of the coolest human beings who ever lived. The accomplishments that man had, like outside of acting, I mean, he was part of the British Secret Service. He committed, you know, assassinations what? in World War II. He was lead singer of a heavy metal band. What? He was part, part of the inspiration for the character of James Bond. Ian Fleming is his cousin. Like the dude. What? I know. It's insane. Like this guy lived a life. Holy shit. That's crazy. Yeah. And then, you know, in his like 80s and 90s, he's in Star Wars, The Lord of the Rings, and like a few Tim Burton movies. Like, holy fuck, man. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, he's he's one of my heroes. I fucking adore Christopher Lee. I don't remember what movie I put on, but I, I'm a sucker for like old, old school, like monster classics. I put one on and it said Christopher Lee. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, okay. Was it like Horror of Dracula? Was it one of his Dracula movies? Yeah, I think it was Dracula, I think. He's good as Dracula. Like he's yeah. just, he's intimidating. Mm-hmm. I love him as the bad guy in The Wicker Man. Just, you know, Lord Summer Isle, the head of this pagan cult, and is like, you know, let's celebrate and yeah. burn burn somebody alive. Isn't this great? Harvest time. It's so <laughs> crazy. I, and then he's just in this for like two minutes as the judge who sends Ichabod to Sleepy Hollow because he's tired of hearing about investigated yeah. techniques. <laughs> that's hilarious uh and over the you know the trip to to sleepy hollow upstate new york crane is just kind of looking over his scientific expertise we get the opening credits and he he winds up in this kind of old you know salem massachusetts looking town that's you know clearly doesn't have a lot of visitors and is governed by their own superstition and clearly still living in the in the past and refusing to accept the future, because that's kind of, you know, Ichabod yeah. represents the future of law enforcement and investigation and the direction the United States is heading. So Crane walks around Sleepy Hollow, goes to the this party that's happening and uh, meets uh, Katrina, who's who kisses him with a blindfold on right in front of, like, I guess her boyfriend. <laughs> 
it's kind of yeah, hard to really I gauge their whole relationship there, but like he was clearly like, the fuck, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Brom played by Casper Van Dien. Like, I love it's like Starship Troopers and Sleepy Hollow, and we never saw him again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, he immediately Ichabod's like, you know, the, Brom's like, what's your name? And Ichabod's like, I didn't say, I didn't tell you my name. And Brom's like, asshole. <laughs> yeah, which to be fair that is a fucking asshole move like bro just tell him your name come on yeah you can't just walk up kiss somebody's girlfriend and then refuse to introduce yourself yeah. <laughs> come on man <laughs> and yeah baltus comes and intervenes and we meet you know baltus played by michael gambin there's so many thespians in this movie so many so much so much you know british grit uh yeah it's awesome this is this is really weird. Um, I don't know what it is about this movie, but I always like think like, oh, fuck, this came out before Harry Potter, which is so <laughs> weird to me. I don't know why, yeah. but it just feels more modern than it is. I know like 99 is not that in the past, but it just feels way more modern than 99. I don't know why. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I guess because we'd see a lot of these guys you know, over the next few decades do films like you know big staples like harry potter and then you know we see ian mcdermott in star wars again so it's i think they were just these are actors who like been with us for a long time so we just kind of felt they're always they've always been here yeah probably yeah so crane goes to talk to these guys and we meet kind of the the old men who govern this town we've got the reverend played by jeffrey jones another Burton Staple. He was Charles Dietz in Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. He was the narrator in Ed Wood. And uh, then he got charged with possession of child pornography and his career ended. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's why we never saw Jeffrey Jones again after Sleepy Hollow. He's still alive. He still, you know, gets the odd job here and there, but surprisingly, nobody wants to work with him. <laughs> Eesh, I did not know that. Yeah, really puts a a pockmark on anything he's a part of. It's, it's, it's terrible. Uh, we've also got, we've got the, uh, the doctor played by Ian McDermott, Emperor Palpatine. Mm-hmm. We've got the magistrate played by Richard Griffiths, Uncle Vernon from Harry Potter. <laughs> and uh, the notary, Hardenbrook played by Michael Goff, our uh, Burton's Alfred. That's where I remembered him from. I was like, fuck, he looks so familiar. He came out of retirement to do this for, for Burton. Yeah. That's so cool. And these are the guys that run Sleepy Hollow. And they tell Crane, like, oh, yeah, it's a ghost who's killing <laughs> killing these people. <laughs> Just kind of matter of fact, like, oh, did they not tell you? Like, it's a ghost. So I don't know how you're going to help us. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if it was on purpose. But, like, at first, during that scene, I thought they were going to do, like, a like a hot fuzz thing where it was, you know, like they're all in on it. They're the ones killing their family for something. And then I'm so fucking glad they didn't. It was literally a ghost. Yeah. It, but there was, you know, somebody controlling the ghost to get a whole yeah. fortune. But I do like that. It, it wasn't, you know, a cop out where it's some guy in a, in a costume. It really is a fucking ghost. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're honest. Like, no, we're being serious. It's a fucking ghost. And just the scene where, well, we'll, we'll get there when, when he sees it. I love when the, the reverend's like, you know, look, looks at Crane's bag of books and he's like, uh, there's only really one book that I believe is going to help you yeah. here and just gives him the Bible. <laughs> yeah. And Crane's just like, 
given everybody a like are you kidding me <laughs> kind of kind of look like really you know <laughs> and then they tell him the story of the headless horseman played by christopher fucking walken so fucking weird and i'm so glad that he didn't have any lines in this movie because oh my god <laughs> the headless horseman with a thick fucking accent would have been wonderful it's me i'm here to cut off your head <laughs> i'm gonna do it so don't try to you run. know when he cut off people's heads it's magic <laughs> but even without that like even his scream sounds like christopher walken just like <laughs> yeah. Ah! yeah that's walking <laughs> yeah was it him in the in the costume swinging the swords and stuff no that was ray park uh stunt okay. guy he played uh darth maul in star wars he played toad oh. in x-men uh snake eyes in the gi joe movie oh wow yeah. cool really talented guy uh they just put like a green screen mask on him and just you know cgi'd out the head and just let him go to town <laughs> cool yeah a lot easier to do than 1922 <laughs> but uh this headless horseman i love the like he filed his teeth into points to look scarier <laughs> yeah that no that's that that hurt <laughs> i mean you know my teeth hurt when i swallow like when i drink something cold i can imagine like filing them down into fucking shark teeth yeah <laughs> dude i i hate so much going to the dentist whenever they do cleanings because the fucking i know that's just water but when I fucking scrape your tooth with that metal hook, oh my god, I hate that so much. I always say, I don't know if every dentist does this, but my dentist always does this shit. They'll be in my mouth, you know, scraping shit off. I got the suction thing, and they'll be like, so you got any plans this weekend? And I'll be like, <laughs> yeah. oh, and they'll be like, sweet, yeah, yeah, I'm going to the movies myself. It's like, wait, don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah, no. Have you ever been, have, have they ever done a a gum depth check on you maybe what what happens so they take a fucking i'm not lying they take a needle and they have to put it between your gums and your tooth it doesn't it 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 sounds worse than it is it's it's bad but it's not as bad as it sounds but i always like anticipate it to hurt really bad and then they do it i'm like oh okay that wasn't that bad christ no i have not i did have them uh one time they didn't give me enough novocaine and they started drilling Ah, that was a that was a scary day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I felt that thing go in, and I was like, ah! And they're like, oh! And I'm like, more. <laughs> <laughs> the whole fucking vial, please. Let's go. Ah, oh, but yeah. Um, this guy's a German mercenary who comes over during the American Revolution entirely with the mission of just fucking shit up. He doesn't care about allegiances. He doesn't care about countries. He's here to cut heads off. That's all he wants to do. Yeah. And he's just swinging it around. I don't think he's even looking for uniforms. Whoever wanders into his area of like effect is getting their head cut off. Yeah. Uh, Which, like, I I know it's you know the 1700s, but uh, where the fuck did they find this guy? <laughs> like, How do you, yeah, who? Where was he just hanging out? Where they're like, hey, we we need your help. Like, I don't know. I'd love to see that conversation. Yeah crazy and this is you know he's based you know loosely on the actual hessian mercenaries that were hired by the british to assist them in the war effort during the american revolution yeah they were i mean they weren't this you know they weren't this crazy but they were here and uh 
George Washington fucked up a good chunk of them when he and his men crossed the Delaware and wiped a good, like, good-sized platoon of Hessians out in the middle of the night without losing a single man. It's one of my favorite war stories of the Revolution. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah, pretty sweet. Well, well, th- this is a weird side note, but I heard that, like, the picture of them crossing the Delaware is, like, what did I hear about it? Like, it's not the Delaware they're crossing in that picture, or, like, it was, like, two feet deep, like, they could have walked across, or... It's not that wide or something. I, I heard a weird story about it. Or I don't know. Yeah, I, I remember hearing that it was it was staged to look dramatic when in reality it was just like, hey, let's go over there and fuck up those Germans. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> they had, you know, it was, it's all it's propaganda. They had to show that painting like, look yeah. at what General Washington was capable of. Look at the men he led. Look what the what he's doing for the war. <laughs> and I mean it's true, you know, he, he was a great leader, but you know, sometimes it's not, you know, it's not all that it's not worth a movie no uh especially you know if they were all this psycho we probably would have lost that war yeah uh so the german is like you know crazy it's hessian and then one day i guess the americans are like we we, let's put the british on hold we got to take care of this psychopath (laughs) so they send a bunch of guys to hunt him down they kill his horse he starts walking in the woods, escaping. He runs into two little girls and tells them to be quiet. And one of them immediately breaks a stick. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. Funny. This psycho with a crazed look in his eye and shark teeth walks up to you, tells you to shush, and you're just like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty fucking funny. I also think, I also thought it was weird how when he's telling a story, they're like, nobody could stop him. He was killing everyone. And then one day, they didn't. And they killed him. Like, where they're just like, you know what? Enough is enough. It's time to kill him. <laughs> he was a force of nature. Nobody could stop him. And then, well, they stopped him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, to be fair, he did come back as a ghost, so it is hard to stop him. Yeah. That's true, I guess. The Americans take him down, they cut off his head, they put him in a in a shallow grave. I don't know if the tree of death was already there or if like it grew around him. But yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we don't get a lot of confirmation on that, but to Baltus and the rest of these people, that's a perfectly satisfactory explanation and motive for these murders happening in Sleepy Hollow. And for Crane, it's like, why am I here? This is a joke. Like, he's looking for the camera. He's like, am I being punked right now? <laughs> yeah. So he decides to investigate the crime, you know, look at the bodies, finds out one of the recent ones, this, this widow was pregnant and <laughs> the horseman cut off the fetus's head by just sticking his sword through the lady's stomach, which is pretty hardcore. Yeah. Uh, gnarly. Yeah, it was gnarly. And one of the, uh, like, I don't really know what, what was his name? The ne- Hassel? I want to say Nesbit. Hasbit. I, Masbeth. That, yeah, Masbeth. Masbeth, that's this, it, yeah. Mrs. Nesbit is from Toy Story. <laughs> My mistake. <laughs> um, yeah, Masbeth gets you know sees it in the night, gets killed. The next morning, Crane goes to investigate the bot, the the crime scene, <laughs> finds out they moved the body, and it's like so like don't move the body. That's that's what I like about his character because like that's like a rule of crime scene investigation today. You don't move the body, but and he understands that you're not supposed to move the body, but he doesn't understand why yet. So he's like, never touch the body, and they're like, why? And he's like. Because 
He's like, I don't know, just don't fucking move the body. Don't question me. Fucking... I'm, a, I'm a police officer. Don't question me. Yeah. I love when he pours the powder like on the leaves around the head. And it's like, ah, there's a strong chemical reaction. That means that one swift swipe of the blade is what cut his head off. I was like, ah. How does that tell you? <laughs> what is... You just have a chemical composition specifically to find out how many strikes it took to take off yeah. his head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're making this shit up, aren't you, Grant? Yeah. I love all of his inventions, though. They they feel very Tim Burton-esque, which like the like the goggles he pulls out. Yeah, th- those are so cool. I always get a cringe when he's looking through the neck and like the beetle crawls out of the neck. Yeah, you kind of like bugs crawling out of orifices. <laughs> No. Uh yeah. So they have this guy's funeral and his son's like, Hey, so my whole family's gone. Can I hang out with you now? And Crane's <laughs> just like, No, I don't need you. And then he's like, Well, all right. Yeah. That's a sign of the times though. He's like, Fuck, my whole family's dead. Fuck, I need a job. Hey man. <laughs> <laughs> it is that yeah, it's it's kind of a funny situation. It's sad, but like the way it's played out. Is comedic because he's just like I got nothing left and I don't know you, but you seem to be fairly intelligent. You probably won't beat me. Can I work for you? Yeah, please, please. Oh God! All right, so we get the occasional flashback of Ichabod Crane's mother, who was a witch, Hmm. and his father, who was a God-fearing minister, who was like. I'll be damned if any wife of mine is a witch. <laughs> Which is quite an interesting upbringing. Uh, yeah. The witch is played by Lisa Marie, uh, Tim Burton's first wife, whom he left for Helena Bonham Carter. And uh, you, sir, are an idiot. Like, why would you abandon the hot Martian woman for, like, a monkey lady? <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> weird, uh, weird, weird question. Was 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 Depp with Amber Heard during this? No, that he hooked up with Amber Heard in like the late two thousands, early twenty tens. Uh yeah, he was with Winona Ryder at the time, I believe, or like they just broke up. He had a Winona Forever tattooed on his arm. Oof! And then when they broke up, he had some of the letters removed, so it just said Wino Forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's. Yeah, he had like a really good relationship that he left for Amber Heard, which was a big mistake. And did she even spoke up for him, didn't she? All yeah. of his exes spoke up and was like, yeah, he's a good guy. <laughs> yeah. Unreal. That whole situation was like, I just want to be like, Johnny, why? Why did you do this? Oh, why, man? Oh. And unfortunately, I I know I know that I'm the one that just brought her up, but it's gonna be tough to like talk about him and not her now, which is upsetting. But yeah, and you know, to be fair, he did it to himself. He broke yeah. off a perfectly good relationship to sleep with this psycho, and then married her, and then got stuck, and then had to you know. But the initial, you know, that was him. I don't blame him for you know getting abused by this psycho bitch. Yeah, no, but you know. Leaving a good relationship for this, that w- that's on him. Oh, yeah. Like, why would you leave Winona Ryder? Well, it wasn't Winona Ryder. It was, like, there was Winona Ryder in the 90s, and then there was somebody else. Oh. I think there was somebody else, and then somebody else, and then Amber Heard. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, there's been a few. Uh, I don't know all their names, because not all of them are famous. Mm. 
Yeah. But Tim Burton's not one to talk. He did the same shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah. um, and now apparently yeah. Helena Bottom Carter is fucking <laughs> Harry Potter. Apparently. <laughs> she's also like, she's broken up a few famous marriages. I mean, you know, Tim Burton left his wife for her. Kenneth Bronagh left his wife for her before Tim Burton. Like she, no. she wrecks homes. He was cheating on, uh, what's your name with her? Yeah, Emma Thompson. Yeah, Emma Thompson, yeah. Yeah, and now I guess, you know, Daniel Radcliffe confessed he had a crush and one of Honor Carter's ears perked up and was like, hey, let's hang out. Let's hang out. <laughs> Good God, she's a great actress, but she might not be the best person. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Uh, little Ichabod was cute. This little boy who's yeah. like, magic, and then his dad's like, blood! It's, <laughs> it's aggressive. <laughs> That image of like his mother just like falling out of the Iron Maiden with a wave of blood. That was some horrific shit. Yeah, that was. <laughs> yeah. Ah. So now that, you know, Crane's starting to figure out, like, I think that a man is murdering these people, not a ghost, because ghosts don't exist. And I'm not an idiot. <laughs> uh, the magistrate comes to talk to him and is like, we have to I have something to tell you. And before he can say anything, the headless horseman shows up, cuts that fucker's head off. Yeah. Oh, but before that, we get the fake out with Brom, who throws a pumpkin at Crane, and that's like directly out of the the Disney cartoon. Yeah, which was nice. I like that. Yeah. Did I did I tell you I've been to Sleepy Hollow? Yeah, that's that's awesome. It's a quaint town. Yeah, it's nice. I went. Um, we did like a lantern tour of their graveyard. Mm-hmm. Fucking creepy, man. It's terrifying. Uh, I think Irving is buried there. I'm pretty sure. Probably he has like yeah. a statue of a headless horseman, I think, on his tombstone. If I if I'm if I remember correctly, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> but man, it gets creepy there at night. So he like you can see where the inspiration comes from. Every like horror movie that takes place in the Northeast, like this movie or the like the Village, I always want to live there. I know how creepy it is, but that is where I want to live. Fuck Texas. I want to live in Spooky Town. Okay. <laughs> You know what? There is something quaint about like a northeastern, you know, modern ghost town. I I get it. It's it's <laughs> nice. I like local legends, and I like a town that just embraces that. And that happens a lot in the East Coast. Yeah, the East is like crazy with that shit. Like um, like the Appalachians and like their very terrifying folklore, like Skinwalkers, Wendigos, all that shit. And then you like, I mean, um, Stephen King up there in Maryland now. You know, Stephen Hollow. Kings and Maine. Maine. I'm sorry, Maine. Uh, they're they're the same thing. Sorry, <laughs> no, they're not the same. I'm just kidding. <laughs> My favorite random Stephen King story it was in um one of his books. I think it was in um different seasons. He likes to introduce like where he came up with concepts, like just to say like this is where the story came from. Mm-hmm. Was, he wrote about an inter- interaction he had with a woman in a grocery store where she was like, "Oh my god, Stephen King, how cool!" And he's like, "Hello," and she was like. I like your work, but you should write something more dramatic, something less scary, you know, like the Shawshank Redemption. That was a good movie. And he was like, oh, man, I, I wrote that, too. And she, <laughs> and she just I, matter of factly stated, no, you didn't. And then walked away. <laughs> That's fucking great. Like Stephen King, you're good, but you're no Stephen King. 
What about eleven twenty two sixty three? That wasn't scary. That was dramatic. I guess it had some like creepy elements, but well, this was in like the this was in the late nineties. I think like oh. he hadn't written that yet. But yeah, even before that, you know, he's he he cranks out the odd dramatic story, and it's almost always great. Like he's so consistent. Apparently, he just wrote another fantasy book, like Enter the Dragon. But he just wrote another like fantasy, which I really want to read. Fairy tale. Yeah, I picked that up. Uh, I read Eyes of the Dragon pretty recently. Uh, oh, is it Eyes of the Dragon, not Enter the Dragon? I'm sorry. I would love Stephen King and Bruce Lee teaming up to do something. That would be awesome. But Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> uh, Eyes of the Dragon was cool. Uh, odd. Very yeah. much. It reminded me of like a Game of Thrones kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, I'll, I'll check out Fairy Tale. I started reading Cell. I hadn't read that one yet. Oh, yeah. Pretty good. Pretty cool. Cool idea. Uh, yeah east coast is cool i i I used to you know i used to live in maryland and while everyone was kind of assholes in my area uh i've you know i went to visit yeah it's true (laughs) i went to visit caleb in virginia uh, a couple months ago and i was just it was nice it was pleasant up there Hmm. so you know once i'm done with this master's degree and i'm looking for new digs i don't know maybe i'll look up there yeah um okay so brahm gets one up on crane for you know just the blatant disrespect of his introduction yeah yeah i'm like the first couple times i'm watching this movie i was like oh come on man don't pick on him like that but on this rewatch i was like no (laughs) ichabod's an asshole (laughs) like yeah what is your name friend i've not said it excuse me (laughs) well fuck me then (laughs) yeah so you know prank him with a horseman costume and and a flaming pumpkin okay <laughs> so yeah, we get that, and then we get the real horseman takes out the magistrate, takes the head, and Crane's like, "Oh my god!" And he passes out. Yep. And then yeah, this is the part I, I was, I was going to talk about when when um, fuck, you forgetting when Garrett Garrett Tassel? I, I don't know a lot of a lot of Van Van Tassels. The the, the guy who called him there, he goes oh, in his room. Yeah, him. Yeah. He goes in his room, and he's like, "Are you okay?" He's like, "Dude." There's a fucking ghost running around here killing people. He was like, we know. He's like, no, no, no. You don't understand. There's a ghost here. And I'm like, yeah, we've been telling you that. He's like, no, no, no. But he's real. I saw him. They're like, yes, we know. (laughs) I love that. There's no sympathy. It's like, all right, now we're all on the same page. Yeah. (laughs) And I love Crane just talking his way through. It's like, no, it's a horseman and it's headless. Like, you're not hearing me. (laughs) Like, no, we have been hearing you. We've been telling you. This is why we called you here. Help us. <laughs> yeah, that's, I love that. That's hilarious. It would have been funny if, like, it would have been funny if Ichabod, like, threw the Bible at him. He was like, this is the one that can help you now. <laughs> I would love if they go into his room and he is just clutching the Bible to himself, like, <laughs> like a pillow. <laughs> oh, eventually, he's like, okay. Time to time to nut up or shut up to quote Zombie Land, which yep. I watched recently. <laughs> uh, gets out of the room and it's like, I have decided to further investigate this case. Who's with me? And everyone's just like looking away, like, nope. Hey, no, I'm not fucking with this shit, man. <laughs> You're here, so I don't have to hunt the ghost. <laughs> and eventually the kids just like, I guess I'm not me. <laughs> I love that kid. Oh, um yeah so he's like yes there's a ghost 
but he still must have motivation and there's got to be a reason behind all this. And I think it's in the woods. I'm going to go find it. Mm-hmm. And him and Masmith go into the woods. I found out there, the woods was all a soundstage. What? Yeah. There is no actual set here or no actual woods. It's all made on a soundstage, the forest, the tree of death, all of that was made like made for the movie. How the fuck do you make woods? I don't know. By the end of shooting, like the place had its own fucking ecosystem. Like it was crazy. Like bugs got in there and like, we're like, it became a real indoor forest. <laughs> were they like real trees or were they fake? I think, uh, I think it was like a mixture. Some were real, some were fake. What? That's wild. That's crazy. Yeah. Pretty cool. Uh, so he goes to, you know, goes to the woods, runs in, um, runs into Katrina, almost shoots her, which is <laughs> very nice. I guess anybody on a horse whose face he can't see is a, is a threat. Yeah. And she's like, hey, no one else wanted to help you. And he's like, a lady shouldn't be in the woods, but I'll take the help. I can't. I need it. <laughs> <laughs> um, they encounter the witch of the woods, which was always a creepy ass scene when I was a kid. Um, yeah, yeah Masvitz waits outside. <laughs> Crane just like goes in there. I love when he's like, he says "witch" by accident. And he's like, "Oh, I didn't witch, I witch." Like I didn't mean to say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the what is it with Tim Burton and jump scares, where like the eyes and tongue come out of the <sighs> person's mouth? Beetlejuice, uh, Pee Wee, this. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I never noticed that, but yeah, that's a theme. That must <laughs> that must freak him out. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's cool. And yeah, this witch is like, go find the tree of the dead. The headless horseman's grave is that way. And she's just like cutting the animals up. It's fucking weird. Yeah. And Crane just leaves and it's like, Masmith's like, what happened in there? He's like, nope. <laughs> We're going that way. <laughs> he's like, don't worry about it. We're leaving. We're leaving right now. I love when uh when he's like, when Masmith is like, whoa. What is the tree of the dead? How do we know when we find it? And Ichabod's like, I don't think it's going to be that hard to find with a name like that. Yeah, good point. And it looks like, you know, the fucking tree from Poltergeist. It's, it's terrifying. Yeah. And I love when he cuts into it and it, it bleeds. And you're just like, what is this thing? Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. And he just keeps chopping, keeps bleeding. And then he finds, you know, the cache of heads. And they realize, oh, this is a portal to hell. <laughs> yeah. Creepy. Uh, the atmosphere of this movie is continuously just so good. It just it it feels so unnerving. It doesn't feel like a real place. Yeah, see that that's what I like about about Tim Burton's work is it walks the line of horror and whimsical. Like a tree that bleeds is creepy, but there's something about what Tim Burton does. It might it's probably honestly Johnny Depp, just his characters. But instead of being like, "Oh fuck, that's terrifying," he's like, "Oh, that is this is strange." <laughs> Yeah, he's in, he's approaching it scientifically. He's like, oh, a tree that bleeds. Well, this is strange. I guess I should investigate this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they find that they dig up the horseman and they realize someone took the head. And that's probably why he's cutting everyone's heads off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it gets summoned and just leaps out of the fucking tree. <laughs> yeah. Creepy, man. Um, I like when he goes after the family, the... Uh, the I want to say Killian or something like that. Uh oh the midwife and the, the Killian. Horse guy. I, I was right, it was Killian. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, that was brutal. Just watching this guy fuck up a family. You know, he kills the father, he 
kills the mother that when the head rolls and the eyes are looking at the child from the floorboards. Oh my God. <laughs> and then he just cuts open the floor Four and finds the kid. <laughs> Ugh. So awful. I love when he's just like walking out of the house with like, you know, he just put the kid's head in there in a drawstring bag and he's like, Shoop! throws it over the shoulder and it's <laughs> like, oh, that's another day, another dollar. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh Crane and Brom team up to try to take this thing down and Brom gets cut in half cuz he's a nuisance. <laughs> well, people with names like Brom, they don't tend to do very well. I kept thinking least... when Re- when when Brom got cut in half, I kept hearing Rico you know what to do in my head from Starship <laughs> Troopers. <laughs> so now Crane has a wound in his shoulder and Katrina uses witchcraft to heal him. And she, he's like, I'm so sorry about Brom. She's like, yeah, you know, shit happens. <laughs> yeah. I was like, damn, I'm sorry. Anyway, you want to fuck? Like, <laughs> yeah, she's like, well, you know, Time heals all wounds. You want to you want to hook up? <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, Brom, we hardly knew you. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Uh, we get a little bit with uh, Katrina's stepmom, who's like, you know, hey, if you need anything, you know, call call someone else. That's the vibe I got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Crane goes out to like he follows her somewhere and sees her fucking the reverend, cuts open her hand and she's like, "I know you saw me, so maybe don't tell my husband." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that, that was the reverend at first. Yeah, because of the you know the red hair and the powdered wig. I will never, for the life of me, no matter how much I study history, I will never understand the powdered wig. Dude, fucking. Okay, I think I've said before, Pirates of the Caribbean is, is they're one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, but there's a quote in that movie when uh, the governor, um, you know, he's wearing a wig and one of the people just call him by his last name. And he's like, no, 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 it's still governor. Do you think I wear this wig to keep my head warm? And I was like, yeah. I love that early, you know, like in the, at the beginning of Pirates, we, when we get the, you know, the flashback, Governor Swan has that exact hairstyle, but in, in brown. So it's like, yeah. was that a wig or does he get like the older he gets? Does he get more like age specific wigs? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love the Pirates movies. Um, okay. So Crane's now trying to put all this together. He's got pieces. He's got, you know, he's like, what, a, what is this conspiracy? Something here isn't adding up. This had, you know, first it was Van Garrett. Then it was the widow. Then it was Mazbeth. Like, what is the connection here? I love he writes all this down in a in a way that's like looks like it says the conspiracy points to Baltus, and Baltus reads that and he's like, "Ah, what is this? No!" And like, <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> oh, um, so he's still figuring it out. He thinks Baltus is the guy. Yeah, uh, and Baltus finds out and is like, "You need to get out of my town." <laughs> yeah, how dare, how dare you? But like, it's clearly clearly not him. Like, I thought it was, I think the first couple, I mean, I was with Ichabod's, like, later 
revelation. I was like, oh, it's definitely Katrina. Yeah. Well, she's the witch. And, you know, the way this film is, is you know, the time period this takes place in and, you know, knowing American history, like you're inclined to bet against the witch. Yeah. And that's unfortunate because she's, you know, all she's doing is trying to protect this guy that she inexplicably loves after meeting him for like two two days. Yeah. But like as she's like telling him, she's like, no, dude, it's definitely not me. She's talking like she's catfishing him. It's <laughs> she's like, how dare you? It, yeah, it, it's weird. Like you're supposed to, you know, it's not a great way to endear him to your to your th- side here. Like, you know, it's not yeah. me to think that it'd be horrible. Why would you do that? I have done nothing but protect you. Here's a book of of good spells. Now get out of my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um. So Ichabod finds the like what he thinks is the evil eye under his bed, mm-hmm. and it's like somebody clearly who knows magic wants me dead. It's the only reason this would be here. He doesn't look into it. He's just like magic equals bad because this is 1799, <laughs> which is weird because his mom was a witch. Yeah, but his dad was a hardcore minister and sort of drilled into his head like magic is bad and you will die too if you ever touch it. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, he he was raised by his mom up till like age eight or nine and then the rest of his life was his dad. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, that's just terrifying. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so, the servant girl supposedly... Or no wait, first yeah, they think it's Lady Van Tassel who gets killed, but you know the rule of thumb is if you don't see a head get chopped off in a movie, it probably didn't happen the way you think it happened. Yeah, uh, Baltus runs away. They go to the church, and I love everyone. The Reverend's freaking out, like you brought him here. We're all gonna die because of you. And Crane's like, no, he can't, and he can't get past the church. And the Reverend's just like, we're all gonna die. Like he's completely ignoring him. <laughs> That always makes me laugh. It's like Crane's just being very matter of fact. Like he's, he can't go, come in. He's you see him not coming in over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and then it just gets out of control. Baltus grabs a gun. The doctor's like, "It's time to tell everybody what happened." And then the Reverend grabs a cross and just kills the doctor. Yeah, with a blow to the head. Like, could you get a more poetic image of more like than a Reverend killing a man with a giant cross? Yeah. Oh, and then Baltus freaks out and shoots the Reverend, and all hell breaks loose. Uh, and the, apparently, you know, the horseman, even without a head, he's got some pretty good critical thinking skills because he grabs a fence post, ties it to a rope, hurls that fucker at the window, and gets Baltus through the chest. <laughs> good aim. Yeah. Good aim. First try. Or someone will know, will know why. Speaking of, this is weird. Do you like you? I assume you like reading. I do. I read quite okay. I just picked up this book that the internet has just shoved in my face for so long. And the way that they want you to read it is you're supposed to read a chapter a night. You're supposed to really take your time with this book because it's so fucking weird. But last night I finished. It's like the foreword or whatever, the introduction. But the introduction is sort of meta. Because the book, okay, have you ever heard of it? It's the House of Leaves. Nope, never heard of that. Okay, so it's a book about, let me try to, okay. It's a book about a tattoo artist who finds a manuscript for a movie. No, it's a, 
<laughs> okay, a tattoo artist finds a manuscript that this dude is writing about a docu uh, about a documentary about a movie about a house. But the thing is, is like the movie doesn't exist. But the guy, the tattoo artist, read it and went crazy, or something, and then the book is his journal that he kept on the manuscript revised by editors it's really weird but there's like a huge it's, it's, it's not a plot twist it doesn't spoil anything because it's part of the plot the guy who wrote the manuscript was blind hmm. so like how did he see this movie why was he obsessed with it and how did he hand write a report on a movie while being blind that is odd that seems very dense and hard to follow yeah yeah i'm only one chapter in and i'm scared <laughs> I'm intrigued. Yeah. I'm intrigued. Maybe if I have some you know, free time down the road, I'll check that out. Yeah. But yeah, just, you know, on the subject of blind, having great <laughs> aim. Well, I guess, you know, when you're a ghost, it's, you know, I'm sure the devil is like a little bit, a little to the left, up, yeah. up, a little up. There you go, right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Baltus just, you know, it flies out. And I love Katrina's just like, oh my God, as she's doing witchcraft. And then Baltus just flies out the window, gets caught on the fence. And the horseman's like, oh, god damn it. And it's to go back and get the head. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so at this point, it's like, well, Katrina has inherited the Van Garrett fortune. And it, mm-hmm. you know, Crane's like, well, clearly I'm not a very good cop because the prime suspect just got killed by the horseman. And it couldn't be the woman I love. Because, you know, why would she she she's not capable of that? I know everything about this woman I just met. There's no way she's capable of murder. <laughs> so he just decides like look i'm out like what else could you know everyone's dead <laughs> there's there's nothing left here for yeah, me um uh, and then he decides to go and that's when it's revealed that katrina's stepmom was behind this whole thing because the van garrett's once been vindic- like evicted her family and she never let that go mm-hmm. that's some that's some long conning right there. You know, marry into the family, stumble upon. I mean, this whole plan, like the crux of it was raise the mercenary you met briefly as a kid from the dead. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing magic's real, or you would have been you would have been fucked here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but now you know it all goes to Katrina. So she's got one more, one more victim for the horseman. And I, I don't remember why Crane decides to go back. Oh, yeah, because he realizes in the book that the evil eye was actually like the good eye, that she's a good witch. There's protection. She never meant any harm. So she's like, you know, he decides I got to make things right. Did he take Masbeth with him or was he just like, good luck, kid? I think he was like, good luck, kid. <laughs> this poor kid. Oh, man. I don't and know now why I find his, fun, his plight so funny. I don't think you see him at the very end when they're back in London. Is he with them? He is with them. He is with okay. them. Okay, I was yeah. going to say. Dude. I mean, with Katrina's fortune and Crane's, you know, police work, they're going to need a manservant. Yeah. No one, yeah. I, he has, I think he is also the only one holding the bags. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's that's not that funny, but I can't stop laughing at it. <laughs> uh, okay. 
yeah, so he finds the uh, he goes back to the to the doctor's office, finds the the corpse of what they think is Lady Van Tassel, realizes the wound was post mortem, and is like, okay, she she did this. Okay, so from that, the horseman is summoned to kill Katrina. Crane goes after her. They have that big fight in the windmill, and it all ends up at the tree. The book saves Ichabod's life from a gunshot. He get, he gets the head back, gives it to the horseman. The horseman has that great moment where he's like. The flesh comes back on his head. That was done really well. Yeah, and that that's such a cool shot. I think. Yeah, when the and tongue and the eyes just go like, Bleh! like that. That was cool. <laughs> and then it's Christopher Walken. I'm like, ah. Yeah, like ah, I forgot. And he's immediately he looks at the lady and he's like, ooh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which was freaky. <laughs> and gives her like a like a blood kiss. Yeah, yeah. Walken said that's the best kiss of his career. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, dude. <laughs> yeah, and he just takes her ass back to hell as I guess his new trophy wife. And uh, yeah, <laughs> they go to New York because I guess Katrina, you know, doesn't want to live here anymore. Everyone she ever knew is dead. Yeah, I wouldn't want to live there either after everything I've been through. Yeah. So go to dirty old eighteen hundred New York City. That's that's gonna be better. Okay, I'm glad you said 1800 New York City because first of all, how dare you? <laughs> Just <laughs> New York is is pretty fucking gross. I love New York City in theory. I've been there once. It's yeah. a cool city. There's so much to do, but holy fuck, you guys got to figure out your sanitation. <laughs> God, how can you get used to a constant smell of garbage and rat shit? <laughs> anyway, here here's what's crazy, right? I remember when when I lived there. It's the only place I've ever lived. Where you could be like, you'd be like, wow, something smells really good. And then you'll tell your friend, like, yo, do you smell that? That smells so good. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? That's literal shit. And you're like, oh, oh, it's over. Ah. Yeah, it's like the pizza's over here. The tower of garbage is two feet to the right. Like, <laughs> what? what's your nose going to catch first? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. I wonder if Christopher Lee is going to be pissed that Crane's not dead. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, there's no, I mean, yeah, there's closure, but it doesn't solve anything. Yeah. He went back to New York. He's going to be committed when he goes and tells them, like, it was indeed a spirit. And thanks to some, <laughs> you know, good old fashioned police work, I was able to defeat this Hessian mercenary and send him back to hell. Next case. <laughs> yeah. That's why I've said it so many times. I need a horror movie that takes place the next day. The follow-up, because he is going to an asylum. Yeah, I would love if the follow-up is like, you know, Lady Van Tassel escapes from hell and is like, wants her revenge. But now she has like hell powers or something. Ooh, that'd be neat. Um, I never watched that TV show they did. You ever watch that on like Fox? I think it was Sleepy Hollow. I think. I think it sounds familiar. They, I think they go with the same route, like you go about Crane. First of all, I think it's a girl. And she's like a detective, I think. Yeah, she's a detective in modern day Sleepy Hollow who like accidentally pulls Ichabod Crane out of 1799 and into the current like current times with the Headless Horseman. And so it, it turns into like a procedural cop show where like they investigate paranormal crimes together and he's a fish out of water. So does it like follow like this storyline? Uh, no, not at all. The apparently, I, I remember I watched a few episodes. I think the Headless Horseman was like one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. No, 
which is a cool idea. But like they they handled that after like the first season, and it went like four seasons. So like it just turned into like a monster of the week kind of show. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it um, like Igabot is still like a detective, or he was a policeman. I don't remember. I mean, he might have been. They did a crossover with Bones once, which I thought was weird. That's weird, man. Yeah. <laughs> T- procedural TV, like network TV, is so fucking odd. <laughs> I don't get it sometimes. Uh, but that's Sleepy Hollow. The Bronx is up, the battery's down, and Ichabod is back in town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Mazbit's life's about to get a whole lot worse. He's about to be a manservant in New York City in 1800. You are going to die of some kind of horrific, like, di- organ shitting disease. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mazbeth. I want this whole movie redone from his perspective. Oh, my God. Why is it father? Wait, wait. Here's what happens Ichabod Crane goes to an asylum, his wife dies. <laughs> Then this poor orf- <laughs> this poor orphan moves to London because he has nowhere else to go, and then uh, he finds uh, a French barber. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. It's it's crazy. I would yeah. I would love a you know Ichabod Crane meets Sweeney Todd movie. Man, that would be so fucking cool. Ichabod Crane investigating the murders of Sweeney Todd. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like, you look suspiciously like me, sir. <laughs> <laughs> they do a fucking Spider-Man thing. And here comes Willy Wonka, too. Looking for a new flavor for his chocolate. He stumbles upon human flesh. Oh, my God. The Johnny Depp multiverse. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Something to do with the mob. Donnie Brasco comes in. Fucking John Dillinger robs all of them. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end of the movie where you think it's over they're holding guns at each other fucking Tonto comes out of nowhere with his bow and arrow it's like bad surprise. trade <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> yeah I'd watch the shit out of that that would be fun <laughs> that would be wonderful <laughs> okay here are some filmgasm facts for Sleepy Hollow number one at the start of filming the three-way axe battle with Ray Park, Johnny Depp, and Casper Van Dien, when Brom and Ichabod take on the horsemen, uh, Brom broke the index finger of his left hand. Uh, it was extremely painful, and he just kept going. He didn't tell anybody because he didn't want to get his part cut short from the movie. He didn't want to have to take time off to heal. He was like, if I, don't, if I tell somebody, I'm getting axed from the rest of this movie, so fight through the pain. Fight through the pain. Oh, my God. Yeah. So in that scene where he's, like, grimacing... It's probably real because he's fighting with a broken finger. <laughs> and then when they were done filming, they're like, yep, that shot's good. He's like, great. I broke my finger. Yeah. He's like, I need some ice. Can I go get some ice, please? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Number two, the crew of the movie built the small town of Sleepy Hollow complete with rooms, floors, and stairs. The town was dismantled after filming was completed. They built the entire fucking town. What? Yeah. All with like functional buildings, you know, like inside were real, like it was a real town. And then they just took it down when filming was done. Oh my God, that's crazy, man. Yeah. The effort that some studio, like some productions put into filming and then they're just like, you know, cut, print, check the gate, like take it down. Like uh, Robert Eggers, man, he he built the lighthouse like 
on an island and he built the cabin in the witch. I love that. I love that dedication. My favorite one is you ever see the 1980 Popeye movie? No. It was Robin Williams' first movie. It's fucking terrible, admittedly. But they built an actual seaside town in that movie and kept it up and it became a seaside town. People live there today. What? Yeah, people live in the Popeye town. It's it's crazy. Like they they were functional enough to just last like 40 years now. What is the town called? <laughs> uh I'm going to find out right now. I'm moving in. Popeye Coastal Town. It is Popeye Village, Sweet Haven. It's a seaside resort town now. It's in Malta. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's that's wild. And then Sleepy Hollow just like did a similar thing, but then when it was over, there's like demolish it. We don't need it anymore. Take it down. That's crazy, man. <laughs> um, number three, Michael Gambon, who plays Baltus, wanted to keep his severed head and send it via proxy to interviews and dinner parties as a joke. Like, no, no, I'll take that. <laughs> You'll be crazy. Yeah. That'd be so cool if, like, in Harry Potter, like in Dumbledore's office, he has tanks of heads and one of them is his own. <laughs> That'd be cool. I'd be concerned if Dumbledore had tanks of heads. Like, good guys <laughs> don't have that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, I remember uh, on Game of Thrones, uh, Kit Harrington, who plays Jon Snow. They, there was a situation where, like, I think every character got, like, their head made into a cat, like, a fake head to, like, yeah. outside of Joffrey's castle or something. And he kept his, and he put it in the fridge for his wife to find. Oh, my God, dude. And filmed it, and filmed it. Like, there's a video of her opening the fridge and freaking the fuck out because her husband severed heads in the fridge. He took a video of it? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I got I got to watch that. That's on YouTube, I, I, I assume. I think it's still there. Yeah, it's hilarious. Okay, cool. I got to check it. And she was on Game of Thrones too, so frankly, she should have she should have put two and two together faster than that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and number four, according to the director's commentary on the DVD, during the church scene where the doctor is killed by a blow to the head, Jeffrey Jones accidentally hit Ian McDermott so hard he ended up having to go to the hospital. Oh my god! So Jeffrey Jones almost killed Emperor Palpatine. Before the prequels could even start. Holy shit, man. See, that's why he sounds like that in Star Wars. Because he has a broken, a fractured rib. He went from, you know, oh, I'm Ian McDermott. Funk. I'm Ian McDermott. <laughs> Dark side. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> oh, that's cr- I wonder if that's the scene, like the cut they used in the movie. Where it was just, Funk. and then. The doctor passed out. They're like, okay, start again. Ian, start again. Ian, somebody check on Ian. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay. I give Sleepy Hollow an eight. It's a creepy folk horror flick. It's aged very well. It's loaded with delightful performances. It's a very engaging story. And I do think it is one of Burton's best. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a nine just because of the nostalgia I have with this movie. Actually, I actually have a pretty funny story. Um, I think I told you this before, but just for the podcast, um, I was born in July. So uh, I think this movie came out in 
November of the year I was born. So I was still a baby, only a couple months old. And my dad really, really wanted to see this movie. But my mom was out of town. So my dad brought me into the movie theater and he just had to keep like comforting me like throughout the entire movie so we could fucking watch the movie and i think i think when he tells me the story i think i think he just had to end up leaving and every time he tried to watch this movie since he's never finished it until like i was old enough to like sit through a fucking movie so that's that that's why i'm gonna give it a nine just because i I feel bad for my dad having to leave the theater (laughs) just to see this but yeah that's funny I, you know what, when I have kids, I, I will probably be the same way. I'm going to be like, I want to see that, but I got to take care of Connor Jr. here. Yeah. What do I do? I guess I go to the movies and just hope he, he's asleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, I don't like when people bring their kids to the movies like that, but you know, I'm not a parent. I don't get it. But I think when I am a parent, I'm going to get it. <laughs> yeah. I don't like, um, I'm not ashamed to admit this, but there's some like kids movies that come out that look really fucking good that I want to go see, but I always like, I'm just like, I'm, I'm just embracing for, you know, for impact for, for the, for the kids screaming throughout the entire movie. Like, um, like the bad guys, I wanted to go see really bad. Yeah. So I was like, I can't go fucking see that because kids are going to be screaming the whole fucking time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a risky take seeing kids movies. Sometimes, what I don't like is when it happens when you are at like an R-rated film that there should not be a baby at. Like when I went and saw Black Klansman, somebody rolled a fucking baby carriage into that and just no baby. I was no. like, are you kidding me? Why? <laughs> I remember that distinctly because I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, is this really happening right now? Oh my God. Yeah. And yeah, the baby was, you know, it cried a few times and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, this is a, this is a powerful story. Why are you ruining it for Yeah. Me? I, um, <laughs> there's this TikTok I saw, and it was a scene, it was the scene from the movie when the main character is like driving away in the car. And uh, I can't remember his name, Adam Driver, his character starts shooting at the car and screaming slurs at him. And, uh, <laughs> there's a TikTok I saw where it was that scene. And then I cut to like a director, and they're like, yeah, um, cut. Hey Adam, your line was come back here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, I like that. That's funny. Uh, yeah. Improvisation, especially you know, in a racially charged movie. <laughs> no. I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> no, 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 no. They stick to that script <laughs> so hardcore. I liked when uh, on the set of Django Unchained, yeah. uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, says a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of bad things, a lot of a racially charged mm-hmm. language in there. And uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, being a fairly good person, I think, had to go to Tarantino and be like, "Do I have to say all of this?" Yeah, <laughs> he was like, "I'm this is this is uncomfortable, man. I don't know about this." And Samuel Jackson pulled him aside and was like, "Look, we're actors. This is fucking Tuesday. For yeah, us. let's just figure. Yeah. Let's just do this." I know it's not you. You're not Calvin Candy. I have no ill will towards you. Now let's film this shit. Yeah. He was like, no, say it. <laughs> I think, I, think I saw the interview. He was like, I'll say it right now with you in the count of three. <laughs> say it. I think he had to tell him, like, look, if you don't commit to this thing 100%, people are going to go after you. <laughs> yeah. Shit. 
I feel like that's true though. If you don't give a hundred percent to a character like that, I feel like it'll. It's, I don't know. I kind of feel like that would be more insulting than like going all the way, you know? Because going all the way, you like show how bad it is. But if you like half-ass it, I don't know. It feels like you don't care. I think people can take it as that way. I agree. I mean, you know, a character that that's that evil, that's that despicable. It can't look like you're reading cue cards. You got to bring, you got to tap into something powerful to make this character real. Yeah. And make them not see Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah. For sure. And he pulled that off. I do believe he pulled that off. That that character is fucking terrifying. Yeah. The only thing is like um like when um Robert Downey Jr. wears blackface for uh Tropic Thunder. I don't know how they got away with that. I don't know how that's was like acceptable, but that's crazy. Well, it was the, the way they did it, you know, it was smart. He was playing an Australian actor who was so method that he would do something that crazy and that offensive for a movie. So we know it's not Robert Downey Jr. Like everybody gets the joke on Tropic Thunder. That's the thing. It's yeah. like I love that that's the case. No one's gone after that movie because we're all like, yeah, that's not what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, good stuff. Like, no, you're supposed you're supposed to hate it. You're supposed to be mad. That's the joke. He's obnoxious. The whole movie, like the the actually black character, is super pissed about that the whole time. And yeah, he's like, why are you doing this, man? He's like, I don't know. Like, I don't have to tell you. He's like, you don't know. <laughs> it's, it's an it's a it's mocking method acting above yeah. all else. Yeah. it's one of my favorite movies <laughs> okay well thanks for listening everyone this was a fun one if you like what we do feel free to follow us on facebook instagram and twitter at filmgasm productions if you want to suggest mess uh suggest films for us to check out you can send us a message on the socials or you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com if you want to check out the website go to filmgasm.com where we have reviews articles trailers of upcoming films and all of our shows you want to support the show through anchor you can click on support this podcast on your preferred provider we appreciate it thank you very much next week to start november off we're tackling a cult horror film that has recently gotten a highly successful crowdfunded sequel on halloween night a woman runs a foul of a sadistic murderer called art the clown and must escape him before he kills her in the 2016 slasher flick terrifier I've heard it's quite a watch and the sequel is simply balls to the wall crazy. So it sounds like a perfect filmgasm and a good time to tap into this weirdo franchise. That's starting to get a lot more attention. I know nothing about this movie, so this is going to be a blind watch, which I will do when I get back from Germany again, Connor, make it real. You've never seen terrifier. I have not. Oh, dude. Terrifier is fucking great. It's, it's like a, they just come out with a sequel actually. Yeah, and I've heard like the sequel is making people like throw up. Like it's so crazy that it's hurting people physically. Yeah, it's just it's just like the first one was just such a good classic slasher movie. Nice, it's just really good. Sweet, I'm yeah, I'm excited. We had something else at this um planned here, but then Terrifier two came out. It was getting all sorts of attention. There was the bloody disgusting press release, and I'm like, fuck it, let's do Terrifier. <laughs> so yeah, that'll be fun. Um, don't miss Josh and Caleb with Frankenstein meets the Wolfman on Fridays Beyond the Bad or a special Halloween themed Oscar Sunday with Carrie. In the meantime, believe in the power of witchcraft, stay away from any conspiracies and keep watching movies. Mm-hmm.